0: also a hustler I'm also going after and getting things but my motivation as a type seven is that I'm escaping Mm -hmm. (laughs) right but I look behaviorally like a hustler I'm looking to leave the current situation because for whatever reason it feels too hard or too sticky and so I'm trying to get into the next thing as a way to feel safe
1: What's up, Style Nation? And welcome back to the Styled for Life podcast, formerly Just Realized. Cause Just Realized grew up, got a makeover, new branding. Who this? But I'm so pumped you're here. I'm so so glad you're here. And I just want you to know exactly how much I love podcasting. Let me explain this to you. I am well, this is like how much I love podcasting and an up-leveling story that you can probably appreciate. You know how I just invested some time and money in getting my office all updated. It looks super amazing. And now my AC has <laughs> decided to shit the bed. And it has been so freaking ever- aggravating because we're not getting straight answers and it's working, it's not working. Anyways, think we've got a solution, but this is how much I love podcasting is that I am sitting in this hot-ass, actually, I should probably turn off the fan, hot-ass office in front of these windows, continuously showing up on the pod because I love it so much and I appreciate you guys so much and your constant feedback and interaction gives me life. So today's episode is going to be a juicy one as always, but I'm definitely riding high on some girl power energy right now. We just wrapped up um, my quarterly style squad call where I invite any past or current clients to hop on a call. I usually have a topic. I'll share some um, information and it's really just a fun fucking safe space for some of my favorite people on the planet to get together, um, talk about style, and meet each other. And today was exactly what I envisioned it being. And that was such a major win because last week just was a rough fucking week for me. Um, It was just not a good week for me mentally and emotionally. And nothing bad actually happened. I was just struggling, struggling, struggling. So it was so nice to have that win and see the vision come to life. So just one of the many perks of working with me is being part of the style squad. And it's one of my most favorite things to do. I love my squad, all my squads, podcast squad, style squad, all of it. Thank you so, so much. So that being said, last week was a bad week. I've talked about this before and it's something I feel like I've definitely, not I fucking absolutely have gotten away from me, away from lately is really sinking to my cycle. And it's so funny, because the sinking on my cycle came up recently in my stylist training. I was talking to my teacher about it, and she was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like, you should talk about this more often. And it's funny how I talked about it, and it was super hot for me last year, 2020, when I got that feeling and I got the download to create that and to really focus on that. And then, you know, you just get carried away or you talk about something so much and you're like, this is dumb. Everybody knows it, but that's not true. And oftentimes, (laughs) we just need to constantly be reminded of the things that we need to do in our lives, right? And I just saw a post today from one of my favorite mentors who's going to be on the show in July, Amanda Walker. Simple is not easy. Because if it was fucking easy, we'd all do it, right? Like working out, staying, hydrating, eating our fucking carrots, we'd all do it. So it's always a good reminder when things feel really simple to lean into them and share them again. So that being said, last week, as I was struggling with my emotions and my self-worth last week when I was on my cycle, i was binging and re any podcast i could get my hand on around my cycle and really diving back into that because i feel like i've let it slip i used to tap into my journal every day with the day how was i feeling like what were my symptoms what were my wins and my symptoms really not symptoms because i hate the word symptom what was my mood was i high was i low what was i struggling with Um, I get hip pain sometimes. That's really honestly from probably sitting on my ass too much. And when I don't walk or I'm not active enough, like just noting that and during the certain uh, months, if um, during the month, during certain days, if it pops up. However, it was just a really good reminder to lean in to the things that already make me happy. And it was a really good reminder that I want to lean back into that on the Podcast, especially now that I feel like I am personally more aligned with the podcast, I know exactly where I want to take it. And I know that everyone that's here with me today listening to this is down for the fucking ride and in the car with me. I know some people are going to hop out the car. Maybe they don't understand the direction or they don't understand the full vision for what Styled for Life means to me, which again is more than styling your clothes, it's styling your clothes, styling your body style in your mind, style in your life. So it's all the things. Because how we do one thing is how we do everything. And that's facts. (laughs) So that being said, I am going to re-record and just layer in what I've learned since the last time I've recorded my Sync Your Style with Your Cycle episode. But the content is still there. And the blocks, the building blocks of it, the foundation are so fucking relevant. And I cannot, cannot wait to lean into it a little bit more with more sustained style tips and fabrics and things to wear during the different phases of your cycle, no matter where you're at or what your schedule looks like or what your calendar looks like to always, always feel amazing. Look, I got hot tips on what to wear when you're bloated, not feeling good, serving clients in a fist with no AC. Let me tell you, my outfit was super imperative that day on helping me feel like my best self and showing up like my best self. So I'm constantly taking notes of those things and want to share them with you. So whether it's the mindset work that I'm doing or literally the outfits that I'm wearing and the fabrics that are making me happy those are the things I want to share. So be on the lookout and coming up this summer for a do-over, a makeover of this Sync With Your Style episode. But that being said, you can still go download that freebie that I have. It's like 18 pages of content Dump my favorite lipstick colors, what I typically wear, how I lean into my style outside of just my clothes, perfumes, different things like that during my cycle, and hop on the newsletter list because it's super juicy these days. So before I get into that, go over to katiejuststyle.com backslash freebie, download your Sync My Style with My Cycle style guide, 18 pages, Full of all of the things. Learn with me. Hop on, do the masterclass. Let's connect, get on the email newsletter because guess what? Mama's gonna get a blog. So I don't think that anyone goes to my website, but of course, I don't think anyone listens to my podcast either. And that's not true. So I currently don't feel like I've invested a lot of time and energy into my website, which I don't think is this. Best move because I invest a lot of time and energy into my emails and my social media, but I really want to create a home for my favorite style tips, my shopping recommendations, my favorite beauty products, my favorite items that I'm using for traveling. We had an amazing travel call today with my style squad. I talked a little about about style stuff. Some of my other clients are amazing travelers and shared their tips and tricks on packing. And it was just an amazing space. So I really want to create a static hub for all of this to live so that you don't have to spend hours on social media because that's a recurring theme. Because myself, my clients, a lot of my own close friends are spending less and less time on social media and consuming less and less content that way. And I am here for that because it's a lot. So I want to create a home for that. Look for that coming up in the future um, because I have big news and my team is expanding in big ways. We got big news in the Allen house coming up. So that being said, um, enough about me Hop on the newsletter, katiejuststyle.com backslash freebie. Get your freebie. Follow me on Insta, Katie Allen Stylist. Uh, you could visit the website if you want to see what I'm talking about. It's an amazing website. I just don't feel like I've been putting content energy into it and building out that portion of the website. Katiejuststyle.com. Shout out to my website designer and like I said, excuse me, nothing, enough about me. Let's talk about today's episode. So, today's episode is Aaron Bowdy, people strategist, Enneagram expert. Super excited for this episode. Wear all my Enneagram heads, make a little noise, honk the horn if you're driving. Today's show is super juicy. So, Aaron does Enneagrams, she's a specialist, she's an expert she will get you hooked up. So I've done a reading with her. It was amazing, and it was very, very eye-opening. So I wanted to get her on the show because one of the my core pillars and one of the things I think that comes up a lot for myself and especially when we talk about styling is our self-worth. And for me, the way I combat my self-worth issues, and I don't know if combat is the correct word, but the way I engage with my self-worth and the balance of that on a daily basis is through self-awareness. And I think self-awareness is queen, it's fucking everything, right? So by digging into the Enneagram and going super deep with Aaron, I learned a lot about my behaviors and what are my behaviors versus what's my identity. And that shit is powerful. We talked around like, what are your motivators? What makes you feel safe? And it's an amazing, amazing episode. She's super knowledgeable. She goes really deep. She's super helpful. We had an amazing conversation. So I've worked with her. I've invested in that with her so I can vouch for her work and expertise and the pieces of the things that I learned from her, my time with her really helping me uncover more and more about me. So styling your mind is a big part styling your life it's a big part of being styled for life so tune in to today's episode to build that self awareness build that self worth mus- muscle muscle <laughs> sorry build it build it build it because i see this constantly in myself and in my business is and this is a whole nother podcast episode when we do things for ourselves, amazing things for ourselves, one, we hide it sometimes, or we will do other things to self-sabotage it, or we have a really hard time accepting it in the support. And sometimes, even after we've paid for something, we still have a hard time receiving the service. And I see that happen a lot in my business. And or we don't feel like we're worthy of someone helping us do something that we should be able to do, right? Like big, and I use this analogy all the time. I can take my outfits. I can take five pieces of clothes and make 25, 30 outfits. Boom. Do not ask me to cook dinner or meal plan. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. (laughs) I cannot do it. One of my goals in life and my vision and my dream life is to have a chef, an in-home chef, whatever that looks like. They come in, they cook, they drop it off. I don't give a fuck. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to plan it. It literally drives me nuts. Before I ever am going to get to the space in my life where that's something that's attainable to me, there are a couple of self-worth steps I'm going to have to take, and I see that come up a lot for myself and for the amazing women that are in all of my communities. So Enneagram and understanding myself and building myself self-awareness is a big piece of that. So tune in to today's show to learn more about your identity, those behaviors, and how to build that muscle so that you can be amazing every day. I will see your beautiful face on the other side. Peace. Hello, lady, and welcome back to the show. Today, I have a special guest that I know all of my fellow Enneagram lovers are going to freak out. Today, I have Aaron Bowdy on the show, people strategist and Enneagram, I'm just going to say connoisseur. Um, welcome to the show. I'm super, super juiced to get into this topic. Well, thank you,
0: Katie, for having me. This
1: is really fun. Oh, I'm so excited. So Aaron and I just met and I just did my uh, typing is what you call it, right? No. Typing on my Enneagram main number, my wing, and mm-hmm. all the things. <laughs> um, so I'm super excited to have you on the show today so we can dive into that and I'm really big, as you know, on like helping women reclaim themselves, their identity and express through style. And I think this is a big part of it is really just like understanding who we are so we can be really, really confident and know why we like what we like, why we're good at what we're good at, why the things that we're not good at, we're not good at <laughs> and embracing yeah. all the parts of us and growing. So thank you for being here. Um, The most annoying question in the world. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Erin. Yeah, no, I'm
0: happy to. And I'm excited to be here and have this conversation. Um, And so I have sort of a a boring trajectory into my work, right? I I went to college. I got a graduate degree. I was really into people. I thought maybe I wanted to be in medicine and then realized I hated blood and that was gross. And so then I was like, okay, what's another way for me to like really stay in the realm of people? I'll study behavior, right? Like why we do what we do. And um, I gained a lot of like intelligence around the topic of, you know, behavior and motivation and people. And I studied social marketing. So how do we use um, influence and and, you know, sort of encourage people to make lasting changes that not only impact them, but also maybe impact their communities. Hmm. And it wasn't until I became a mom that I realized how disembodied I was from my intelligence. Um, I knew all of this stuff, but I didn't have it integrated or I wasn't practicing it, right? Like there's a very big difference between being competent and um, you know, sort of knowing. And my, for my two kids. My my oldest is neurodivergent. Um, we sort of saw some of her neurodivergent tendencies when she was about a year old. Two, when she was two, it really sort of jumped out, and it required me to practice everything I knew. Um, I had to like use my own tools for the first time ever in my life and so I really say that like you know graduate degree getting a PhD nobody taught me more than my seven-year-old daughter has taught me about the work that I do and how to really practice and integrate it so here I am you know uh, figuring it out a little bit differently and taking a—I uh, left corporate America. I left the work and started doing it myself about four or five years ago. And it's just a, it's a constant shedding, <laughs> constant evolution of like, who am I and how am I growing and evolving? And so I love using the Enneagram as a tool to sort of expedite this work. Um, and so I didn't really have a fantastic, uh, come to in terms of this work, but it's definitely meant a lot to me and who I am today.
1: No, that sounds amazing. And I love the story of your daughter and using those tools. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. There's always, well, I do to say always, in my experience, the transition into motherhood, whether it's the first child or in my case, it's the second one <laughs> that's constantly <laughs> holding that mirror up for me of, you know, how to show up yeah. to support her and then ultimately create the impact for everybody. Which yeah. I love that you use that word word because when I was recording my other podcast today, I was like, how many times can I use the word impact? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, here I am. And it's funny. Cause I was like, I'm an Aquarius and am I um, human design? Like it's all about this collective impact and like changing the world. And then I'm like, hmm, so what is, does Enneagram three have that too? Is that one of our <laughs> drivers is like, how can we change the world? Or is that just the achiever in us?
0: Well, it's really cool because in your particular typing construct, right? So when we did your typing consultation, we narrowed you down into a self-preservation three with a four wing. So it gets even more juicy, even more nuanced than just like when we put the all threes in the same bucket, right? And what that can look like behaviorally is that you really care about doing a good job and you really care about doing a good job that has some sort of impact around meaning and value, right? Like it's not doing for the sake of doing or doing for the sake of being seen. It's doing for the
1: sake of impact, which tracks perfectly with Katie, what you're doing in the world. That's so funny. And I was thinking that when I was recording, but I hadn't actually confirmed with you yet. So I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to just flat out lie on the podcast <laughs> about why I think all these things. Right? These other ones, yeah, I have those assumptions and I believe them currently. So those yeah. ones I can share with you. Um, I had a friend on earlier in this week. Another Aaron. This is the month of Aarons on the podcast. And she, we were talking and we're just kind of, you know, bantering like I do on the pod. And she was like, I know it sounds like we're talking out of our ass, but we're talking out of our heart. And I was like, that is me. It might sound like I'm just making shit up as I go. And sometimes it feels like it, but it's with the heart, like the best intentions Mm -hmm. of like, this is passion. So that's Mm -hmm. what I think of when I think of talking out of the heart is like, this is full passion, things that I really, really believe in. And we're just going to go with that emotional. (laughs) project. So let's dive into a little bit more of like Enneagram stuff and I'm attracted to you in Enneagram and why I wanted to do that work is because I'm obsessed with like (laughs) personality quizzes and we have a mutual friend, Savannah, and that's how her and I became like these BFFs that we are was through our well, first the start of my podcast, which is interesting because we were talking about that before we had record about the podcast going through this evolution. That's how I actually met her was when I first started this podcast originally. And then we bonded over our love of personality quizzes, for lack of a better <laughs> word. So I'm really excited for this conversation. And I know like Enneagram is one of those things like if you love it, you love it kind of oh, thing. Right. So tell us a little bit like how did you get started in it? And then I want to jump into the like, how can we use it to be badasses? Yeah,
0: I love it. So uh, because I started in behavior and behavioral theory, I had been trained in the disc assessment and Myers-Briggs and strength finders and the color profile, right? I've used a ton of these frameworks in the context of corporate America to give Um, sort of language and understanding around personal and team dynamics, right? Let's understand how we operate. Let's understand how we operate in the context of an environment, right? But in all of those tools, I found limitations because behavior is a product of what? And it's influenced. I can change my behavior. And so we learn, we adapt, we go into a new work setting and... We're like, oh, people don't act like this here. So I change my behavior, right? And so that's where people say like, I'm different at work than I am at home or I'm different with my girlfriends than I am with my spouse. And basically all that tells me thats that you've learned to be adaptable. You've learned to cope. That tells me nothing about what motivates you to be who you are or why you develop the strategies that you have in order to sort of feel safe in the world. And so when I was introduced to the Enneagram as a part of all this work, I was like, this is different, Actually, I think I said the shit is different. Like it, it's it. It just went so much deeper than just categorizing behavior, right? It got really into this juicy stuff that honestly made people really uncomfortable in a corporate context. Like we don't want to talk about this. I'm like, well, if you don't want to talk about this, you also don't want to talk about being human, and that's ultimately what allows us to be full and successful and, you know, collaborative and all the things that we want out of people is to be good, good, you know, at receiving feedback and (laughs) good at handling conflict, but uh, we don't want you to be human. Right. And so they just, they need each other. And so I fell head over heels in love with it. And I do what I do. And I went all in and I started studying under um, the woman who was doing the training, she's a master Enneagram teacher. She's been working with the tool since 1970. Wow. Um, she was trained by Helen Palmer, which is, you know, one of the, you know, sort of original Enneagram teachers. Uh, and she was a clinical psychologist and just had all this really depth of knowledge, not only about the Enneagram as a tool and its foundations, but also about how it applied to sort of Social cognition and and behavioral theory, and so I was hooked. I studied with her for about six years. I did a two year uh, uh, teacher training program, so I'm a certified Enneagram teacher and trainer. So I can teach others how to hey. use the tool. Uh, And then I ended up studying with her for another four years in her, she calls it a consciousness ascending program, where we really dive into how to take self-awareness work to the next level. And we use tools like the Enneagram or or Buddhism or consciousness work to help elevate that. So, um, And then I left that to get my PhD primarily because I wanted to create some research around the typing process. Mm -hmm. Um, that's where you're going to get my nerdy self really passionate because the online tests are so flawed. The best online test is only 46% accurate. Mm. And what happens to folks when they sort of connect to an inaccurate descriptor of self and influences choices and behavior and whatnot. And so I'm really passionate about helping people find that, that source, that story, Um, And so doing some more research around that. So that's my story with the Enneagram and where I am today. And I think how we use it is not unlike how we approach body work, right? Like we think about going to the gym and working out. If we were to go to the gym and uh, with a trainer and want to learn a new way to be in our body, and they just took us to the back and we watched a PowerPoint presentation or a TED talk or something, and then they were like, hey, that's it for today. Come back next week, and we'll do the same thing. Our body would be no closer to learning that new workout, and we can often do that with ego development, where we just consume information. I'm guilty. I did that for a long time, um, where we just consume information and we don't actually use it. And the Enneagram, where I fell in love with it, it was like looking at the model, like. A a weight room. (laughs) Mm. It literally had pieces in it that I could pull apart and use to work out to sort of rub my rough edges off on other people and figure out how do I manage conflict? How do I handle feedback? How do I hold a boundary? How do I sort of expand or evolve from the limited version of myself, which is what my Enneagram type tells me. My Enneagram type is literally the, the most limited person I can be. Right. right, That's when I'm in all my pattern and all my fixation, but I can use the whole model to sort of release that and to evolve and to shed and become more of all of these things. And so that's really like why I fell in love with it. Because once I know where I start, I can sort of look at it like a map and then figure out where I need to go to pick up some more tools. So I can be more in align, in alignment with who I want to be and not just what I felt like I needed to be, right. if that makes sense.
1: Oh no, that makes perfect sense. Um, I'm thinking the tangent brand is all like, who are your friends and what are their Enneagrams? What questions should you ask? Oh. And then my higher self is, huh, I heard you say motivate. And I think that is something that com- has been coming up for me a lot is what motivates certain people to do certain mm-hmm. things. Cause I'm thinking about like when I'm helping women and it's, Everyone's so different, which is the best and worst thing sometimes because it's the the, like, I don't want my days to be the same, but sometimes I'm like, can you ask me a question? I already know the answer to. (laughs) And I love it so much. So can we talk about that for a second? Like everything you said was so amazing. And my brain was like, ping, 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 like so many good questions. But what really caught my like piqued my interest was like, so what motivates me? And then I think, which for me ultimately goes back to what you had said too, which was what makes me feel safe. And my mind, tell me if I am interpreting this right, or this kind of what you meant is like what makes me feel safe is what motivates me at the same time, right? Like so for me in the self-preservation three conversation is I feel like I'm gonna create everything for what motivates me is security around money because I grew up without money, but I only rely on myself to create that. So that's also what motivates me. So I am an action taker to my core. And that's the behavior that gets developed,
0: right? Yes. And so what we're doing is we're only looking at the behavior. When we say threes are like doers and achievers, all we're doing is looking at the results of the motivation, but the motivation is I need to be safe. I need to be secure. It didn't have resources. And so I learned that I need to, I need to be the creator of my own resources and then having the resources will make me feel secure. Yes. Right. And so then the behaviors are, I'm a hustler. I'm a badass. I work hard. I do all <laughs> these things. Right. And, but when I all only look at that, when I only look at your behavior, then we start to confuse you and me where I am also a hustler. I'm also going after and getting things, but my motivation as a type seven is that I'm escaping, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? I'm looking to leave the current situation because for whatever reason, it feels too hard or too sticky. And so I'm trying to get into the next thing as a way to feel safe. And, but I look behaviorally like a hustler. And so sevens and threes are what we call dummy types because they're hard to tell the difference. Mm. If you're just looking at how we move in the world, we've got to know why.
1: So let me ask now. I'm getting now. This is totally a personal question. Do <laughs> seven and threes make good pairs partners? Cause my two favorite people, well one's self typed, but one is officially typed by you and they're both sevens.
0: Um, my, and I think this will go back to an earlier question slash statement that you made is I think every person, every typing construct has the capacity to be compatible with other people. I think the indicator of that compatibility is how self-aware we are and how quickly we can manage our own reactivity. Mm. So if you and I are practicing our awareness and we know how to manage ourselves, our own disappointments, our own triggers, our own own junk, right? Mm -hmm. And we are both good at that we could probably activate each other in really, really powerful ways. But if we're not aware, and we're not managing, we could probably trigger each other inadvertently quite a lot, right? Because we're both yeah. active people. We both want to be in control. We both have clear directions and hot energy. So it, that really, to me, it's not about type, honestly. Mm-hmm. It's really about my level of consciousness or my level of awareness, which is a muscle. And it's a muscle we have to get really good at.
1: Mm -hmm. so that yeah so that's um a blanket statement for the entire planet (laughs) you got it you got it it. all are more self-aware and the world will be a better place
0: (laughs) and then in terms of like how we manage other people well right how we it's how self-aware I am so that I can sort of navigate me and you I use this terrible analogy but I've been teaching for a long time so I think about self-awareness like us being sputtering garbage trucks. We sort of move around the world, dropping our trash everywhere, right? And self-awareness means that I know how to look down at that garbage and go, this belongs to me. I need to pick this up and I need to deal with it. When I'm unaware, I might take too much garbage, right? Those people pleasers or those people who don't have good boundaries, or I might leave too much garbage, right? The sort of like narcissistic tendency of that it's your fault, not mine. Mm-hmm. So it, the managing of self is really important. And then once I can do that work, once I know my garbage and I can manage my garbage, then I have sort of infinite room for you. And I don't need to know anything about you in order to have room for you. Mm-hmm. So we think about this in terms of the Enneagram of like speaking to somebody's listening where if I can make room in me, I can be present to what might be true for you. And then I have the ability
1: to maybe meet you where you are, right? Okay, mic drop. So go back <laughs> and put that part on the audio out podcast editor. <laughs> that was amazing. And this is so funny. Yeah. Um, Again, this is a share all podcast. Um My husband and I were bickering recently and I was like, God damn it. I'm doing that thing that Aaron said where I have a hot opinion, but I'll just sit back and just like not say anything or do anything. I'll be like, the whatever you want. And then, it, then the argument is, well, why didn't you tell me that that's how you felt? And we talked about that on our call. I was like, mm, no, sometimes like I'm not scared of conflict, but sometimes I just, So when you were talking about the garbage, I'm like, is that me dropping my garbage and then sitting back and being like, yeah, and I'm just going to leave that shit right there. (laughs) That's
0: exactly it. We leave a little too much, right? Because we don't have the tools to manage it. And that's ultimately what integration looks like, is Mm -hmm. having the tools to manage it. Integration isn't that I've got it all figured out and that I'm perfect to that. I never react and I never have problems and I never fight, right? That's Mm -hmm. not it at all. The healthiest couples, the healthiest relationships still deal with contempt and avoidance and judgment and criticism and all these normal human things, what makes them healthy is how quickly they recover from it.
1: Was me standing there like, God damn it, this is exactly what she said and I'm doing it. Now I have to apologize. (laughs) Yeah, we all cycle through it,
0: right? We all have to find what our own unique cycle is. And I think that's the hardest part of this work for folks Is there's so much information out there that says do it this way. Mm -hmm. And I I often use an analogy around clothes, which is fitting in the work that you do, is that I think our recovery, our self-management practices have to be like trying on clothes. Yeah. We have to be willing to say someone says this is gonna look good on you. We have to trust it and try it on and wear it, but if it feels like crap take it off and try something else. And I think self-management has to look that way. There's infinite ways that I can regulate my body and my emotions and my thoughts. Uh, I
1: just have to be willing to try them on, wear them for a bit and take them off if they don't work. That's such a good analogy. And obviously I experience that and live that daily. And I always go back to something one of my coaches told me is like, I can tell you all of these things. And again, I'm only speaking from my experience, my training, my knowledge, Mm -hmm. you have to make the decision. I'm just giving you this tool. And then you have to give me the feedback on whether it works or not. Like this isn't 100%. Like I know everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, I do sometimes feel like I know everything. I wish I did. (laughs) Right. But it's constantly trial and error. And that's what another thing I like to remind my clients of is like, I'm so glad that we've Learned this and we've mastered this about you, but also give yourself space to change in a year or six months. You might not like those same genes anymore. You might not like this because you're evolving Mm -hmm. as a human. Yeah, totally. Totally. Ask yourself, how does it feel at the end of the day? And if Mm -hmm. your conversations were lighter, better, faster, stronger, whatever that is for you, then we have a winner. If they weren't, we don't. Yeah. Yeah. Super juicy. So my brain's all over the place. Um, How... Okay, so if someone's... So let's talk about like... Because the question I really want to ask you is around (laughs) self-typing. Yeah, yeah. Because you must get that a lot. And on some hand, it's probably annoying. And then on some hand, like if someone's listening today, and even if they want a book with you, you can't do everyone's typing in a day, right? So someone's right. going to look and they're going to research and they're going to do these things. So if someone is thinking about getting typed or has it coming up in a couple of months and they're kind of waiting and they're listening and they're like, oh my God, they're saying amazing things. Like how do we start to begin that process if someone's super inspired?
0: Yeah. I, it's really important to me that typing is accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've, I've done. Almost 2000 typing consultations, like the one that I walked you through. Uh, I've been doing them for 13 years, but they're not accessible for lots of people. Price, time, interest, investment, all of those things are really important factors. And so I like to offer sort of a spectrum, right? So I have a on my, you know, my Instagram and the link in my bio, I have a free typing guide, and it's a several-page guide to sort of take you through the reflective process of things that I need to consider to type myself. And we are not starting with behaviors. Most of what we see about the Enneagram jumps right into behaviors. Oh, if you are, if you like to do li- to do lists and you are achievement oriented, you must be a three, or if you have anxiety, you must be a six, or if you're a perfectionist, you must be a one, right? That's totally dehumanizing the, the the personal experience, right? We are not that objective. And so I actually start with instincts first, that self-preservation social relational. I have a free YouTube video. You can get all of my coaching around that for free on YouTube and watch it and explore the process of understanding your instinct. And then I take, okay, what might be true about my instinct? Like for you, that was self-preservation into let me look at what self-preservation looks like and lots of the types. So I can start to see how I'm using it as a resource next to my personality construct and see if something jumps there And I give you books and tools and websites and links and even the best online test there is, which is still only 46% accurate. I'm linking all of this so that you can put all of these pieces together and sort of hold what might be true for me. How do I make this make sense for my story? And some people prefer that self-reflective process. It's slower, but it's just as effective. If I'm starting thinking about the motivations first. Mm -hmm. Self-typing is inherently hard because we're talking about naming our conditioning. And our conditioning is not part of our conscious thoughts, right? These are habits that our brain has said, oh, this is something you do repeat. Let's put it on, you know, our subconscious mind and not think about it. It's like driving to work every day and you get there and you don't remember taking all of the turns, right? It's the same Process for us in terms of these coping that we've been using since we were seven, 10 years old, you know, and for my case, that's four decades. So that's a lot of <laughs> bad habits. So I would just really encourage people to be gentle too. Uh, in the process, if it takes you a little while, there's nothing wrong with you. You're not doing anything wrong. It's hard for all of us, and it's hard for a reason. So the more self-aware we become, the more we can go oh this is what i'm doing and this is why i'm doing it that's the yes. really important piece and then find the language that sort of matches it and then there are, for some people who are impatient are like i don't want to do all that just take me through the one hour mm. and we'll, and so there's something for everybody
1: awesome because if I was listening to this podcast, I would immediately be self-typing, but I would have already done it. And now I'm going to, I don't know if this is a true Enneagram 3 thing or not, but I was like, oh, here, let me, because what I just heard, Aaron, is that I'm extremely self-aware because I self-typed and I was right. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. You did but, a really good job.
1: <laughs> but I could have never, like the nuancey things, I would have never known, but I've always been like hyper aware of. The, the duality behind action taking and then what happens when I'm in that mode. But again, yeah. I think it's from being in a long-term relationship with my husband and having to have those conversations over 22 years of like what you were saying of the healthy relationships where there's fighting and there's growing and you cannot grow from 19 to 41 without a little right. bit of self-awareness. <laughs> right, right. And self-awareness comes from our
0: relationships. It comes from parenting. It comes from work. It comes from therapy. It can come from church. It can come from lots of places. Um, and what we're all doing in the process of becoming more self-aware is putting language to what we do. And when we have language to it, we can, we can do so much, right? Um, Brene Brown has a new special out on HBO Max, I think, her, for her new book, The Atlas of the Heart. Mm-hmm. And she's opened up her the whole thing by saying language is a portal. Language takes us to another world. And I'm like, that's it. That's all the construct of personality is trying to help us do is put language to things that we just know to be true, but we're not sure why.
1: Oh, that's so, so amazing. And it's funny that you said Brene Brown, because I was thinking about her when you were talking about self-awareness and I use her core values quiz or Mm practice is is something I've started integrating with my clients because that's what I believe the style is it's the self-awareness right so like you have to have the Mm -hmm. self-awareness so that we can self-express so that you're dressing for yourself and not everybody Mm -hmm. else because at the end of the day constantly dressing for everybody else it's draining it's exhausting I don't care I'm just gonna wear this thing because it's comfortable and then we get into those cycles and traps Mm -hmm. and I'm like no it's a tool for you Mm I gotta get back to that self-awareness That's a whole word. (laughs) (laughs) A whole word. So I love what you said about the self-awareness coming from like relationships and parenting and things like that. And that's kind of what I wanted to get into next a little bit is like, how do we use the Enneagram and like those relationships to kind of build that? And then especially Mm -hmm. around the space of if I'm bringing it back to the people that are listening and like my intention when I'm talking to someone, it is around like, reclaiming your identity uncovering unlocking reshaping um a lot of time when women come to me and they're ready to like get styled they're in a moment of transition mm-hmm. on the other side of a really hard transition like a divorce or some lo- job loss or something like that or they're um like up leveling in their business there's always like this up level and this talk i mean and this jump or this like expansion, whatever you have you. And I think it's really funny because again, that's how we started our whole conversation was like, oh my God, you're rebranding your podcast and going through this whole transition. And so like, it's so timely and it's so on my mind. And I mean, I'm living it every day with other people mm-hmm. all the time. So when someone's going through that, what's come up for me personally, when I lost my job and started the business and what I'm seeing reflected back to me from uh, other people is like, there's this deep sense of, well, Oh, what the fuck do I do now? Because that was my identity. It's so, like our identities are things that aren't actually our identity. Mm-hmm. So that was not even really a question, was it? But how do we uh, like harness the Enneagram to try to like work through some of that, like rebuilding of the identity through a transition or after a transition?
0: Yeah. I, I, I really, I really love the idea that self-awareness can be this doorway into transformation. But really, transformation is just removing layers, removing mm-hmm. these sort of protected armor. It's really about returning to myself and mm-hmm. who I am and who I've always been. And just like sort of the body work, it's a muscle that has to get stronger, right? It atrophies. And so we recognize that like we have the ability to manage, manage life, manage people, manage disappointment, manage change, but we often don't have the resilience or the strength with which to get there, right? So like when we first are starting to run or walk a mile, that first mile, the first time we do it is really excruciating. But Six months in, we run the same distance with similar effort, but the recovery is faster. And that's ultimately what we're after during a transition or we're up-leveling is that we're up-leveling our recovery techniques. Mm. How quickly can I cycle through these experience and return to myself? And so there's a few frameworks that I use that I've developed that I sort of like put all together that help people build that muscle for themselves. One of, I think, the most effective is understanding the steps to emotional intelligence, because emotional intelligence is a practice, right? And it has four components. It's self-awareness, social awareness, self-management, and relationship management. Mm. And what we can do in a performance driven sort of speedy culture is we can say, I'm going to get a little information about myself and I'm going to jump right into my relationship. And whether that's my boss or my sister or my spouse or my kid and say, this is what you need to do based on what I've learned about me. Right. And we sort of are missing all of the resilience building, all of the muscle building. This is the equivalent of being like, I want to lose weight. So I'm just going to go detox, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not actually changing my habits that allow me to change my outcomes. And so emotional intelligence is a habit building. It actually sort of looks like a waterfall at cascades where self-awareness is the only thing we can do until we can name all of what's true for us. And then when we can do that, we can maybe name what might be true for you or at least make space for it. Right. That sort yeah. of garbage, garbage analogy. And then only after I can sort of separate what's yours and what's mine, can I then regulate the impacts to me, my emotional or physical regulation. If I'm not clear about what belongs to me and what belongs to you, then I'm regulating your junk or I'm asking you to regulate my junk, right? Like, tell me I'm okay, you know, sort of that, that external affirmation works sometimes. And so regulating me looks different for everybody. There's sort of, again, like infinite ways that we regulate. And I have some worksheets and some practices that I work people through. For me, that is putting my feet on the ground. Uh, I like to do it outside, you know, touch the earth, um, taking a few deep breaths, maybe reminding myself of my value or my power or like sort of some positive self talk. Um, sometimes that might look like positive social interaction or like a hug from my kids, but I find ways to return back to my body Mm -hmm. and only then am I capable of managing the relationship. So unless I've done the work to separate what belongs to me, what belongs to you, and then take care of my junk, I'm not ready to problem solve with you in any meaningful way. That's going to value who I am and who you are. Mm. And so we become this practice. And then once I finally get down to the relationship management piece, this goes so much faster. The cycle happens so much qu- more quickly because I've done all of this heavy lifting up front.
1: Well, that was super powerful. And I wish mm-hmm. everyone could see the visuals with your fingers because it makes so much sense. I do that all the time on the podcast. So I'm like, you can't see me, but I am acting yeah. this out. The energy is coming through. So I have another question. And that, so I love like the examples that you use about things that you do for yourself. Is there, and I I know it's super general because we're like, we'd be Mm -hmm. really just like high level generalizing here. Is there like go-to practices that you recommend for each of the Enneagram types and how many, there's nine.
0: There's nine, there's nine. So there are seven sort of scientific ways that we know people recover from stress, recover from triggers. And so my recommendation is for folks to make a list of all of the things that make them feel good and see if they tie to these seven things. So see if I can remember them out of my head. So it's um, affection, that is positive social interaction. So someone in the store saying that skirt's cute, right? Like that's enough. It is laughter. It's movement. It's crying. Hmm. It's breathing. And what am I missing? I'm missing one.
1: Not coming to me.
0: I'm just not joking. Eating, <laughs> I'm not just eating, joking. Although, although I've learned that one too. Um, but there are these these really strategic ways that we can prioritize moving through stress in our body as a way to get us ready to center our humanity and somebody else's humanity. And so I don't prescribe, Hey, as a three, do this one thing, but I can say as a three, you're a really energetic person. And so I don't recommend you jumping right into, you know, maybe trying to meditate for 20 minutes every morning. That might be too big of a jump from your nervous system, from this high energy to this really low energy. So let's figure out what other high energy things that you could do that feels feels good, like a dance party in your living room or you a know, uh, walk listening to your favorite hype up music, right? Let's meet you where, you're, where your energy is and then figure out how we tack something onto that that allows you to come down a little bit, right? So maybe after that, you sit on the couch and you take a minute's worth of deep breaths, right? We're not trying to ask you to be this you know, Zen meditator on the top of the mountain, maybe someday, but that may never fit your nervous system as an active oriented person. So for me, Enneagram type helps me find ways to sort of think about hacking personality. Let's find the things that are the most accessible to you right now and build skills on that so we can get closer to maybe some of these other Tools that we know are good for us, like stilling our mind, but that just might be too hard right now.
1: Oh, you just gave everyone permission uh, on that one. So thank you. And that mm-hmm. was something that I learned just through trial and error in my morning routine was like, I only can appreciate meditation after I work out. Like, yeah, perfect. Those two things they can't be reversed or they will not happen. Um, and yep. it's so oh my God, then it's like magic. Then it's like, oh, this mm-hmm. is when people meditate because I've physically moved the energy out. And then now I can just like mm-hmm. bask in that after workout glow and make it yeah. all my own. Super I juicy. think
0: about the practice of Shavasana, right? After a good yoga practice, you've got that like beautiful down regulation time. I think about Shavasana all day, every day. What would it look like for me we're going to have this really great conversation and I'm going to get really excited on this podcast. My energy is going to be really high. How do I transition out of this call to sort of downright regulate just a tiny bit. And for me, it might just look like feet on the ground taking a couple of deep breaths, right? So that I can teach my body that I actually know how to upregulate and downregulate when I want that I'm in the driver's seat of it.
1: Okay. Well now I have another question. Thank you, Erin. So I just (laughs) had this conversation with a friend about like being a new entrepreneur, I feel like I'm constantly out of my comfort zone, right? Even I love podcasting, love it. It's super healing, but it's still, like you said, it's still an energy level, right? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I feel like I'm, this is definitely, I feel like I'm wasting so much time in my day Mm -hmm. because if I have two or three big things, it's all I can do because after I do Mm -hmm. the scary thing, even if it be, is becoming more comfortable, like I have to like zone. But then the zone, mm-hmm. instead of maybe being more intentional, becomes scrolling on like an Instagram and then I'm in a hole and it's been 45 minutes and I'm like, oh my God, we my day. And I didn't up mm-hmm. the milk or whatever is running through my mm-hmm. brain. So is that kind of what that is? A little bit of the nervous system regulation. After we do something that's kind of big and scary, like I should plan on maybe incorporating a buffer. Mm-hmm. And some that's
0: exactly it, right? Because what's happening is you're not planning a buffer and you might be doing three or four in a row and it's high, 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 high. And then your body's like, girlfriend, that's too much. Let's go just totally numb out. Mm-hmm. And then you sort of bottom out from this numbing place, right? But from a behavioral standpoint, if I maybe did three instead of four in a day and took these, you know, 20 or 30 minute breaks. And I actually used my tools and I went outside or I did some forward folds or, you know, I, you know, meditated or listened to a call nap or whatever it is I do, right. Whatever my genes fit in this moment and allowed myself to come down a little bit. You probably find that you feel really productive after three, but you also can walk into the next need in your life, feeling like you've got something left to give.
1: Yahtzee, that's it right there. Because then I can walk (laughs) into mothering and spending time with my family, which also gives me new energy and not feel like it's uh, another thing on the to-do list. Right, right. Space. More space, more space to breathe, more space to be in our body. And I know that that rings true for me as like an Enneagram three, but I just from the people that I interact with, like on the podcast and clients and different things like that, I feel like in modern day society, a lot of people deal with that. especially especially um, females, identified mothers, mothering, all of that kind of mm-hmm. energy there. There's, we're not, Putting the brakes in.
0: Yeah. And you don't have to be a type three to be pushed in our culture around Mm -hmm. doing and achieving, right? It's everywhere and it's reinforced everywhere. So we get a lot of people who don't identify as a three in terms of their personality construct, but that get rewarded for acting like a three, right? Like, how much stuff can I get done? How many places can I take my kids? How many activities can they do? Right. And so this work is good for all of us, whether it's cultural conditioning or whether it's personality conditioning um, to sort of pause a little bit more.
1: Super juicy, Erin. <laughs> well, I have one more question for you before I let you go. So like we've said multiple times, I'm in the middle of updating the podcast and I've been playing around with the podcast farm and adding some fun questions in there to just get people like thinking. And I'm always like researching and curious around people's thoughts. So one of the questions on the podcast forum for podcast guests like yourself is who is your style icon? So can you share your style icon with us and who it is and why? Yes. Well, I have a little bit of story around this. If, if that's Good. Okay. I was hoping um, you would.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have been, a huge fan of Gwen Stefani since, you know, I was like early high school, you know, when Tragic Kingdom came out and her style, her individuality, her like, I don't give an F kind of way of being, especially in the female body um, was really uh, empowering. I mean, I grew up majorly in like the Abercrombie and Fitch generation, right? <laughs> Where everybody's wearing the same stuff and all looked the same way and you know, that's how everybody was in my high school. And she was sort of like the first icon that was like, hey, different's cool. Um, and different can still be stylish and sexy and empowering and all of those things. And so she sort of gave me a lease in life to figure out what I liked, you know, to go from feeling super curated in my appearance. Which was definitely something that you know, I have a family of three girls and a mom who is a type three and very much was like, "This is how we should look and what's acceptable." So I spent, you know, college in my twenties finding my own style, um, but still feeling very pressured aesthetically, right? That I always had to have my hair perfect and my makeup done and you know, great clothes. And, and I felt as an individual in it, but still felt really, really pressured. And it wasn't until I was in my mid thirties that I was like, what would it be like if I took all of this off? Who am I in terms of like my style? And so I sort of rebelled and decided probably about when I was 34 or 35, that I wasn't going to wear makeup anymore. I was just going to stop and see what that felt like. And then I was going to quit, you know, overdoing my hair. And what would it be like if I sort of stepped into clothes that weren't as flashy and fun? Because my nickname in college was hot pants. Like I wore the (laughs) things, you know, (laughs) Um, what would it be like? And there was a pretty huge reckoning for me because it required me to figure out how to love a sort of like naked free version of me and not this like done up, fun, you know, over the top version. And I would say I'm still on this journey of finding ways to love uh, what's authentic and true without all of the bells and whistles, but yet still liking and wanting the bells and whistles and what the freedom comes from choosing it Mm -hmm. because I want it. And not because I needed it to feel more comfortable or to fit in or to feel pretty or feel accepted. And so, like, I'm in that phase of this journey of, like, being able to pick things because I want and because they're fun and because they are me and not because I'm doing as much maybe harm reduction as I was when I was younger. Yeah. Um, so, it's, it's, I'm still on it. I haven't
1: figured it out yet, but it feels more true. To you. Well, the journey never mm-hmm. ends. I think when I think of clothes and not necessarily that story, but what I like about it is it can signal the change of state and how you can use Mm -hmm. your clothes to transition, especially for those of us that work at home and we are Mm -hmm. like, okay, this is my closet and where I work, you know? So it's like, I like to use clothes like that and then, or makeup or perfume and honoring just like all the different pieces of you that it doesn't have to be one Mm -hmm. or the other. And I think that's yeah. a whole cool story. And we'll have to like side connect on this being the Enneagram three mom. It's funny because my daughter hates clothes, fashion, any of it. And I don't know if I in my mind, I feel like I'm helping her because I'm not. I'm like completely hands off. I'm like, do it. Mm-hmm. I won't say a word. I'm like, you want to live in your pajamas, live in your pajamas. You want to wear your pajamas and Target, don't brush your hair, then do it. Cause I'm like, if I don't say anything, like one day, maybe you'll come around. But I'm like, maybe I'm, am I going like the complete opposite direction of like, where some moms are like, do this, do this, do this. So you hate it. And then I'm just like, so hands off that you're also going to hate it. So what the side note that one. <laughs> yeah,
0: I get it. Cause I'm the exact opposite. You know, I'm, I, I haven't worn makeup. I'm a pretty, you know, mild dresser these days and I'm happy with it. These are my choices. I don't feel coerced into any of it, but I have a daughter who couldn't want more sparkles, more dresses, more glitter. You know, she's outside catching T-ball with her brother in a dress and pearls and glittery shoes, you know, and I'm like, okay. And I think the biggest lesson is teaching her to trust her intuition Mm -hmm. and that she knows best. And it's really cool to watch.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It is fun. And it's fun because then I have that same story right with my mom. I don't think my mom owns a lipstick or an eyeliner or anything. And I've missed, like, not missed, but for someone who was so craving it, like, I don't have that, like, digging in my mom's jewelry or wearing my mom's high heels or going through her closet. And I'm like, Chloe, look at all this. She did put on lipstick for the record. I have my lipstick sitting out on the counter and uh, I was doing a uh, bath and stuff last like night in my shower or teeth. And she was like, part of this is stall tactic too. So like, I will honor that because it is 845 at night. And she's like is this one of your favorites? Can I put it on? I was like, you just know exactly what you're doing. Don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm going to take this moment and just cherish it. Even though, you know, you need to be going to bed. <laughs> That's amazing. So fun. Thanks so much for coming on and talking about the Enneagram and like how we can use it and how we can get on that journey of self-typing. So if someone's ready to work with you and when you I know you mentioned some of this stuff earlier, but pimp yourself out. Where that can they find you? We did a test together. It was amazing. Aaron sent me so much good stuff and we had a really good conversation. I mean, I know I'm I'm not a very private person anyway, and I talk a lot, but you still create a super safe space to answer the questions around personalities. Um, so I highly recommend you for anyone. Um, so where can they find you?
0: Yeah. Thank you. That's a, the best compliment you can give me. Uh, you can, uh, learn more about my work at LivingTheEnneagram.com. Um, or check me out on Instagram at Living the Enneagram. My link in my bio has uh, the free typing guide, some other free resources. Um, I have a free discovery call. So if you're like, I just you know, hey, I have test results. Would you just talk about them with me? Absolutely. I want this to be accessible. Not everybody has the time or the money to invest in the work. So I want to meet as many people where they are as I can. Uh, And then of course, you know, the my Instagram page is meant to be a place to practice, to have tools and resources to apply what we learn when we can. So hopefully there's a ton of good free resources
1: for folks. Mm-hmm. That's actually a really good way to talk about that. um Instagram. I was actually thinking that when I was talking about how can people get on that journey was to head over to your Instagram page and start playing and being curious. Yeah, so good exactly way to use social for. media. Yeah, that's exactly what it's for. So thank you, Katie. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. This was amazing.